I'm Mel. And this is Tosh. And welcome to Mahogany Mammology, an online dialogue pertaining to the concerns and carefree parenting of Black motherhood. Before we begin today, I want to, or we want to thank some friends of the show. Um, actually, one in particular, Jennifer Sardui of Birth Texas, for allowing us to cover the 2018 Birth Texas Convention. It will be held on Saturday, July 21st at Arlington Convention Center. If you want to meet up with us, birth professionals, and other companies, go, go online to Birth Texas Convention. Now, tickets are $15, but if you check our show notes, we have a way for you to get tickets for free. And now, on with the show. All right. So, in the last 15 years, the number of Black children in homeschool have doubled from 103,000 to roughly about 220,000. Black parents cite the number one reasons for homeschooling children include concern over peer pressure and drugs at school, but increasingly they are also citing school-related racism or implicit bias as a reason to keep students at home. Today, we will chat with an African-American mom about how she is balancing homeschool, philanthropy, and self-care. And I do want to put a disclaimer out there. Each state and country, of course, has its own regulations in regards to homeschool. Be sure to check your state and check the laws as it pertains to homeschooling. We'd like to welcome Jennifer Henry. She was born and raised in Dallas, Texas. She studied psychology and biology at Howard University, where she fell in love with research and her college sweetheart and her now husband. Jennifer has earned a Master's of Philosophy in Neuroscience at New York's University Center for Neuroscience. After 14 years in the Northeast, she returned to Dallas. She blogs about her mom ventures at milkbrainblog.com. She is the founder of the Village Co-op DFW for homeschoolers and is the parenting staff editor at blacklove.com. She's also an active member of Alpha Kappa Alpha Sorority Incorporated. Jennifer and her husband, Jeff, share their love with their gorgeous two little boys, Jackson and Jones, ages seven and nine months. Welcome, Jennifer. Welcome, welcome. Hi, I'm so excited to I be know, here. I am excited to have you. <laughs> so tell us, what, how and why did you decide upon homeschooling? Um, so back when I was in graduate school, um, and we decided to have a baby. I started researching just on my own privately um, how kids develop their cultural esteem. And by the time our son was born, I was hell-bent on having a whole lot of influence on the development of his cultural esteem and what it meant for him to be a Black man in America. Um, and by I, I mean my husband and I, both sure. of us. And... Um, so uh, when he was born, I decided to stay at home with him. And I started a kind of a grassroots mom and baby education program with some other moms. And then that just grew into a private school after a couple of years. And then I developed a curriculum um, that really puts culture at the center of every idea uh, that relates to education because of the research that I saw. Mm -hmm. um, it is very important for children to be able to see themselves and everything that they do and see themselves as a 
as a person with power to change and understand and move within their world. Mm -hmm. And so that's what my curriculum and my programming, Neuro Nurture, does. And so I wanted um, Jackson to, to get the full experience of, of just having a free education, a freedom mindset. And um, when I had the private school in New Jersey, uh, we... We grew from being in home to in a building, and that changed from going in from the freedom that we experienced being a home school or a home based program to being an actual legislated private school. Taught me a lot about how what it would mean for him to be in not just my school, but maybe later on someone else's school. Okay. So once we were done with the private school early education thing, and we moved from New Jersey to Texas, I thought, you know. I can start another school here, but I had learned that you lose a little bit of freedom um, when you are dealing with a private school in essence. And I did not want to lose that freedom again now that he was much older um, and had such a strong foundation of freedom. Okay. And, and then the way that we learned. So I started studying more about unschooling and about homeschooling and realized that that was really what all along I was trying to do. So homeschooling became the obvious choice for us because um, as much as I loved the way my school was able to reach out to other families and give them an alternative to traditional education, I wanted my son to get a lifetime, which I'm hoping I can do, you know, homeschooling until he graduates and is ready to go to college. But I wanted him to experience a lifetime of freedom in education where he can pursue what he's passionate about and where we can really inundate him and what it means to be a black man in America and to have a sense of power about himself. Awesome. Nice. Awesome. Nice. So you touched on a point um, as far as uh, the private school. Did you you did you start your primary education in private school? Oh, no. No? No, I, I, I think I had a, an amazing early education. Okay. I went to a community school that was like a few minutes from my house. We could walk to ah. school and it was a public school, a, okay. a Dallas independent oh, okay. school yeah, district yeah, school. Yeah. Okay. Um, it was TD Marshall. It's not even open anymore. Oh, but man. it was a little school in a, in a big trailer. How cool. It was supposed to be a temporary school and I'm not sure why mm -hmm. uh, it was in a trailer, but it was supposed to be temporary. Mm -hmm. And it was an incredible experience because what we had were passionate black teachers in okay. a very small, well, small for how big schools are now, but in a small, predominantly black school. Mm -hmm. And so they were like a whole bunch of moms to their kids. And we got this experience where to this day, I'm still friends with my kindergarten teacher and my first grade teacher and my second grade talented and gifted teacher. Okay. Wow. And they, they, were, they were at my wedding. Oh. They met my husband when he was still my boyfriend mm -hmm. um, my first grade teacher did because I wanted to get her blessing like they are like my moms so that was my early experience with education and that sort of passion was what I was looking for for my son and that's how I ended up starting the school yeah yeah because it I sounds very it. similar yeah, to what, what you were describing exactly. yeah, yeah. so I was like you know when I would meet these teachers and they were kind of overwhelmed and you know unsupported by the parents in their class I mean the things that I was hearing I was like this this foreign you know that's not what I want for Jackson I want him to have this sort of incubating community community around him and he and I couldn't find it right so that's again that's another reason why we homeschool because my experience was just such a powerful 
early experience in education. That's cool. <laughs> that is cool. That's weird that, I, you know, I had never heard as far as DISD, like a small school like that, a community center. That's cool. No. Yeah, it was just, um, I think we were, it was pre-K to third grade. Mm-hmm. And I think each grade had four classes. Mm-hmm. And it was just like they had the building in quadrants. And then after that, I, I ended up going to private school and high school. Okay. But yeah. I spent... But that was after eighth grade. Yeah, yeah. So okay. everything else. For, so first to third grade was in a very small school. And then I went to kind of larger schools. They for filtered out to the, to, the, yeah. to the neighborhood schools. But or that the, foundation yeah, was yeah. there. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. You need that. Yeah. You need that. You need From the that. Beginning. Yes. Mm-hmm. Okay. That's pretty cool. Mm-hmm. What's your day-to-day like? <laughs> like, it's in, you know... Like, what's the average day? Like, or what What do you plan for for Monday? What's, what's going to... Right. So, that's where the unschooling comes in. Okay. Because we're really flexible. So, we have certain benchmarks that we try to hit and certain minimums of focus time that we achieve every week. So, our core is like the science, um, math, reading, writing, those sorts of things. We do every day a little bit. We have a little schedule. Mm -hmm. But because it's so intimate, I'm able to not spend the entire day on, hey, we have to sit and do this and do that. So we really only spend about three and some change hours actually like sitting and doing Mm -hmm. something specific like that because the rest of the time we learn as we play and we learn Mm -hmm. as we live because what my focus is with Jackson and with the baby, but specifically with Jackson, is to teach him that learning is not separate from living. Mm -hmm. So I try not to sit down and do too much of this. Well, just do as I'm telling you because that's not really teaching you to apply. Mm -hmm. So Mm -hmm. I really focus on doing math in the grocery store where we do math Mm -hmm. or doing math as you're shopping where you're trying to calculate percentages or cooking Mm -hmm. to talk about fractions. So Jackson has a very fluid understanding of math as a way of navigating through the world because that's the way we do most of our math. It's hands-on. Hands-on, hands-on. And that's how I did it in my private school as well. Cool. Took them to the grocery store to learn how to weigh and measure and these sorts of things. So It's it's much more tangible and it carries over and it reinforces what you are learning. You know, for sure. I try to think of it as literacy. yeah, you know everything exactly. is about literacy, so, not just yes. word, you know, reading literacy, but every just education, financial literacy mm-hmm. as well, yeah. all of it. So, my day to day is really different every day. It just depends on what what things we have to hit that day. Like he has violin and piano once a week, and you know he does his little community service thing. So there's different things every day, and that's another nice thing. There is no day that's really like the other. Okay. It's fun and challenging because mm-hmm. with the baby added in, that variable. So, yeah. Like, how are you doing it with the, mm-hmm. the nine-month-old? Yeah. Well, he just turned 10 months. The, oh, like, okay. Uh, on the 5th. So, just a few days ago. Mm-hmm. Just a few <laughs> days ago. But um, he has thrown a little bit of a extra variable of thinking on my feet mm-hmm. in there. Um, but... He, I, I try to integrate him as much as I can as well in what we're doing as far as Jackson learning how to be a leader mm-hmm. and him being an example, things like that, things that come naturally to a brother relationship. Yeah. yeah. So, um, so it's interesting. To he's try probably to doing a lot of presentations. Jackson's probably doing a lot of presentations. Yeah. To, to his brother. <laughs> to the, to yeah. his brother. And the brother is just like, like 
Right. Really. Okay. Right. Pooping as <laughs> yeah. Like, yeah, as Jackson is trying to explain something. Now, but, yeah. I, I wanted to clarify for our listeners here. If we want to just define unschooling yeah. versus mm-hmm. homeschooling and mm-hmm. what's your uh, terminology or what's your definition of that? Right. So unschooling is is almost exactly what it sounds like. And it's actually a period that they recommend if you are transitioning your child from the traditional school experience to homeschooling, it is almost a doctrine for you to take a period and unschool, which means that you unlearn all of the things that you traditionally learn in school. Not not like the academic things, mm-hmm. but the way that you have to behave in a school. The fact that things are timed. Okay. You know, you only have 45 minutes to do this or you have to get ready for this test so you're focused on a test and not what the child is interested in. Okay. And, you know, so all these things that you end up... Uh, getting used to as a participant in the traditional school system, you have to unlearn so that you can also be more effective in listening to what's what's guiding and motivating your child to learn and also kind of um, uh, just figuring out um, what's right for your family because mm-hmm. there are lots of different ways that you can homeschool. Mm-hmm. I mean, you can... I mean, it's really limitless. You could right. you could do a, a online school. You can do something that you make up on your own, and then there's like a whole bunch of stuff in between that that just is like different uh, variants of how you want to educate your child. So unschooling helps you hone in on what's right for your family by getting rid of all the noise that came with traditional education. And so that's what that's what unschooling technically is. Just gotcha. Just learning how to listen more to your own family, listen to your own child, and let life be the guide of how you interact and teach your child certain things. What what are like a few resources that kind of helped you figure out that or which um technique you were going to use in the homeschooling? I would say just my own life. Okay. You know, it didn't work for me to try. I I have like a whole Montessori curriculum that I that I used when he was younger and trying to keep up with, okay, today we're gonna do XYZ. I noticed that just for Jackson it didn't work. Mm. He he did pick up the knowledge, but then he was stressed. And I'm like, now that's the opposite of what I'm trying to do. Mm-hmm. Okay. So mm-hmm. then I just kind of responded to the fact that I noticed that he was stressed, that I was stressed, and that was just not the tone that I want him to approach education with. So we backed off of that. And mm-hmm. that's how I came to understand what unschooling was and started reading a little bit about it, um, looking at how other people did it, and then just just uh, living it with Jackson and figuring out how, how that worked for us. Mm-hmm. Nice. Cool. What are um what are some of the myths that you've noticed as you've been doing homeschooling? Are there like maybe like three mm-hmm. three types of myths out there? I think the biggest one is that all homeschoolers are not social and that they're they are like recluses and they are socially awkward and mm-hmm. they don't know how to interact with other kids and that they are hermits. Mm-hmm. That's the biggest thing. And, you know, a lot of people will tell me, like, well, aren't you concerned that he won't know how to interact with other kids? And I'm like, look at Jackson. He comes in dressed in a cape. Or, he, you know, he comes <laughs> mm-hmm. in loud. Mm-hmm. And he's like, you know, look at me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, yeah. He, and, and I, you know, it actually, studies show that kids that do spend more time uh, alone appreciate the company of other kids more. So they're 
actually much more social. Mm-hmm. They actually love to interact and mm-hmm. they're less likely to start complaining that they're bored because even if other kids are there and things aren't going where they're all interacting, they're like, cool, I know how to do this. Like I can do my own thing within this group. Mm-hmm. And so they're actually much more independent even in a group setting, not anti-social independent, but just functionally independent the way you have to be as an adult. Right, right. You can't expect I can all take your, care of it myself yeah. if, this, if this situation, is, you know, totally. is, yeah. it comes up, whatever, maybe. Yes, oh, yes. Cool. So um, that's the biggest myth to me, that homeschooled children are all socially, you know, they're not learning how to interact with other kids. They're socially awkward. That is just, I haven't really seen it. I've seen, now I have seen some, but I think that a com- that's a personality thing. Yeah. Because yeah, I don't like, think you know, There's school. museums and yeah. stuff that have are dedicated to homeschool yeah. days. Yeah, and exactly. Like that. So it still allows parents and kids to interact with one another exactly. in a public setting. So. Even, most, even most yeah, I was going to say, even like physical sports activities. Yeah. Things, you don't that, know, you yeah. don't know any indifferent if yeah. a child is homeschooled or not. And they're in a team, sport. you know, exactly. depending yeah. on what the sport is. So. Exactly. Yeah. I think I think if anything, homeschoolers are allowed to be just like purely themselves longer. So they have a really strong sense of self mm-hmm. because they don't do things to try to fit in with other kids or lose themselves in their own voices trying mm-hmm. to go along with the crowd to fit in. They're like, I'm cool with who I am and I really know who that is because mm-hmm. I know myself. Right. So when they get in these social groups, and again, back to your question of what we do every day, I mean, we have sports. We have so many things that bring us out that that's another reason why we don't spend a lot of time on like table work and the instructional and the, yeah and on the instructional stuff because we have so many things to do so many groups that we have to meet up with so many things plus play dates mm-hmm. so I mean when it comes to that myth of homeschool kids not being social I haven't seen it because most homeschool moms are also like and dads they're out there trying to get their kids involved so that they can meet other parents and get advice and trade information and resources so mm-hmm. it's a whole social network yeah <laughs> so it's the opposite so that's my number one that's my that actually like irks me because Jackson is able to have a full conversation back and forth he's a bright young man yes, and has been doing it since he was I don't know how young yeah. and I have noticed that a lot of you know a lot of schools when we go in there uh for different reasons I'll notice a lot of the teachers telling the kids to be quiet you know bubble in the mouth I hear that all the time mm-hmm. you know just uh, hands behind the back, and they're actually being taught to not interact with each other as much because they're af- the teachers are afraid of everything devolving mm-hmm. into chaos. Right. So I'm like, actually, Jackson, you know, it's the opposite where I'm like, go be free, do you mm-hmm. within these safety regulations, yeah, right? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> but slash free range. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> but it's, you know, so it's like absolutely not, you know. And when I look at him, some not not all, but when I look at him compared to I'm trying to have a conversation with a kid on like his XYZ team. I'm struggling to talk to those kids and get them to give me a full answer or just have a conversation where they're comfortable talking to adults mm-hmm. because they're so they're told so often Talk to your friends, but the adults are busy doing something. And so they're not often comfortable talking to adults. While Jackson, I think, and a lot of homeschoolers, they talk to adults all day. Mm -hmm. So they're more comfortable Mm -hmm. with that. So, I mean, I would say that's like the top one and two is that whole socialization myth. It's just not, it's not a reality. I think homeschooled kids are like really social kids. Mm -hmm. Nice. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Um, 
And I think the third myth is that homeschooling is something that a trained teacher has to do. You don't have to be a trained teacher to homeschool your kids. I think you just need to know your kids and have set goals that you want to achieve with your children. Mm -hmm. Um, And then a network of families and and people who are like-minded as far as homeschooling to help you figure out how to get there, to give you resources and share. And there are so many of those ways that you can tap into those um, resources and, and networks to get what you need. But you do not have to be some sort of like teacher yeah yeah yeah. in order to do it yeah anybody can talk to us about those moms who maybe work full-time and they feel like you know homeschool is associated with xyz that I cannot be a part of you know it's almost like help me debunk that myth you know so there are some realities of homeschooling like there is a sacrifice that you have to make Mm -hmm. and it's usually a financial and a time Mm -hmm. sacrifice resource sacrifice because at the time that you're homeschooling you're obviously not working so you have to have some sort of income some sort of way to support that decision Mm -hmm. to homeschool and that's a huge barrier for a lot of families and this and it makes sense i mean it makes sense most families are two fam- you know if they're two parents they're working to make ends meet or to achieve their financial goals whatever they are mm-hmm. um and then you know the um single family homes or single parent family homes you know that's a demand right there how where do you get the balance of work and homeschooling in order to homeschool if that's your desire so um i think i think that's the first thing that i always want to make sure i'm being clear of that it is a privilege mm-hmm. uh, and a and a sacrifice mm-hmm. to homeschool just in every way um so I, i'm actually uh i've met a lot of parents that have asked me if I will homeschool their children for them because they can't yeah. do yeah. it, but they do ask want you where to do more of a co-op. Have you ever been approached like a, I guess that would be called a co-op situation. Mm-hmm. Okay. Mm-hmm. Well, yes. Right. So, so there are lots of different ways to co-op. Most of the co-ops that exist now uh, require that the parents are teachers or participate oh. in some way. Like they might be lunch monitors or something like that. Because if they're meeting at one place, they have a lot of kids. Yeah. And then the parents operate the program. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Which again, which again is a difficulty if, if your issue is that you need to have some time during the week to work. Mm-hmm. Because you, when they're not at the co-op, they're back at home with you. So how do you... How do you make that work if 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 you need to work? Yeah, um, and you want to homeschool. So I am actually working on developing a partnership with a local school, mm-hmm. and then I, my hope is to grow it into multiple different locations around the city. But right now, we're starting with just one location, mm-hmm. where we will have a drop off program, and it's going to be structured with my neuro nurture curriculum mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, of homeschooling, but also. Um, Community-focused education, oh. also, um, like I, I love to teach resourcefulness, mm-hmm. um, community focus, and then supporting whatever academic um, 
endeavors they're doing at home. Okay. So okay. I, yeah. So, so we a have supplement, a, a supplement a, to, to, to the exactly. traditional homeschooling. Yes. Yeah, okay. So it's a supplementation and socialization program for homeschoolers or for people who want to homeschool. So in a way, time. there is there is some possibility as a as a working parent right. to have some element of homeschooling, not so much full a full curriculum or a full um, uh, day like how you're describing, but they can do something part-time. Right. So there is that possibility. Right, okay. right. So my my program is actually, I have not found another program like it um, where you can actually drop your children off and you are not, you don't have a time requirement to participate okay. because my effort is to make it more accessible for families who do have to work sometime during the week and want to homeschool, but just actually do not they can't do both. Mm-hmm. So this is an opportunity for working families to have two days a week to focus on working mm-hmm. um, while we have your children and are giving them that socialization and giving them that supplementation for the homeschooling that you're doing the other three days of the week. Okay. That's awesome. That's cool. That's, That's cool. cool. Yeah. Now, you have these two blogs you are involved in so many other things. How are you incorporating self-care? Is this like you... I mean, you look great. <laughs> Fantastic. <laughs> so what? what is your secret? To all, and then, you know, having a second child, what is the the secret syrup here? I think number one is my husband. He's my best friend. He's my number one supporter. We are each other's number one supporters. So having somebody that understands and respects what I do. Mm-hmm. I've had a lot of parents. Parents. Men and women that literally say, "Oh, you stay at home, so you don't do anything all day." And I'm like, mm. "That's a whole different." That's, a, that's another that's myth, though. That's, 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 that's another myth. You can add yeah. Yeah. your list. Yeah. On that. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so, yeah. but my husband is one of those those men that understands and appreciates deeply what it is that I do every day. So, just that being my source of support every day Ooh. is everything to me and I appreciate him so much for this being something that we decided to do together and him being my helpmate and equal supporter and making sure that this is what we, that we do that's right for our family so that's really like my number one self-care because mm-hmm. when I tell him like I need some time he's like I got it you know mm-hmm. I can be he may have been at work all day if I tell him it was one of those days I need to go in the room mm-hmm. <laughs> and have a moment. And he's like, all right. Now, I do you share it. the curriculum with him ahead of time so he's aware? Like, if he has to jump in mm-hmm. when you might not be feeling well, mm-hmm. does he know what's taking place beforehand? Yes, in some ways, because we keep a to-do journal. That's what Jackson has every day that he and that also keeps him independent. So he has things that he has to check off every day that that he has to do. And he's responsible for that, for following that on his own. So sometimes when I I know, I know you got me thinking. (laughs) What I can do. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, I can give you some tips if you want. Yeah. Yes. Yes. <laughs> yes, because you can start them young with independence. Mm-hmm. And it also helps with reading literacy. Right, right. So, yeah. So, there are things that we started with him when he was very young to help him be independent and have a sense of integrity about conducting his own day. So, obviously, I'm there and I'm hands-on, but... He does has have his own things that he self-starts. So um, my husband just uses that to do if I, or my mom, if something happens. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So um, he has that to-do list that he follows. Yeah. Um, and then he has a schedule that I share. We share on Google Calendar so that my husband knows exactly where we are, what needs to be done at what time every mm-hmm. day. Mm-hmm. So you have to cool. be, or, homeschooling does require you to be, that's the one organized. thing you better be is organized. Oh, yeah. yes. okay. Otherwise you will feel overwhelmed really sure. fast. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Really fast. But self-care, I try to do something 
every day I try to have what we call fun for fun sake. So after oh. the kids are asleep, we try to do something that's fun for fun sake every day. It doesn't, it's the goal. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, no, no. Like for <laughs> it's example, not the reality always. Yeah, yeah. But yeah. It's the goal. For example, what have you done in the past? Like for yeah. You know. Um, so we play Monopoly Deal. It's okay. A, it's a card game. Okay. okay. <laughs> yeah. It's a really fun I mean, card game. I know Monopoly, game. but... Yeah. <laughs> so it's Monopoly as a card game. Mm-hmm. Okay. And so we do that. Like, we're, we're kind of corny. So that's the type <laughs> of thing that we think is fun. I mean, just hanging out and watching our favorite shows, but but things that are mindless and just fun, talking and reminiscing, um, that's something that we do almost every day. And then just... You know, just kicking just, it. Yes. Yeah. Just kicking it with your boo. Just kicking it with your boo. So yeah. those things I try to do every day. Um, and then monthly we get we have a massage therapist that comes to the house. Mm-hmm. And she does a massage every month. That's a new thing we've been doing. Um, we're trying to we're trying to actually find somebody to come to the house and do yoga and meditation and Pilates with us once a month or once a week. So we'll put week. that out to our listeners. So, yes. you know, we will we will have um, Jennifer's information in the bio yes. and the <laughs> show notes. So if you are in Dallas, amazing, we can mm-hmm. hook you guys up. That would be amazing. <laughs> that would be amazing. So um, that, and then being connected to our community, that's my other way of self-care. So I do stuff with my sisters, with mm-hmm. my friends, catching up with my mom friends over the phone kiki in and mm-hmm. all that stuff that stuff is ma- and then having alone time me time yeah just yeah. you know whenever i need it and oft- oftentimes just trying to schedule it ahead of time like i took an upholstery class just an so upholstery could, class yeah to mm-hmm. upholst- to learn how to oh, reupholster right furniture <laughs> yes so i just try to build in mandatory things that make me step out of that mom role mm-hmm. and do my own thing so that I can come back and replenish because that balance of giving and replenishing mm-hmm. can get out of whack and whenever yeah. it does it's just a, it's like you, you gotta pour it. into yourself you otherwise do. you can't you, you, you have to constantly deposit mm-hmm. or else you can't withdraw right mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. so that the village co-op DFW is another way that we stay connected to the community so we have the Halloween party we had to kind of get off schedule when we had the baby because that was yeah. he was born in September but we would like to like continue doing the annual Halloween party that we do um, and we were just developing this idea for um, an annual black well, it doesn't have to be black, but an annual networking brunch that we would host where people come in and you pay a certain fee mm-hmm. and you're, it's a family brunch. So if you have kids, they can come. If you don't, that's cool, too, because you'd be networking with other professionals or other people who do all different types of things, mm-hmm. um, finding out, you know, where you fit in mm-hmm, and how that mm-hmm. works. And then the kids would be occupied because we right. have baby minders or, or babysitters. Yeah, yeah. Uh, we'd have activities for the kids so that adults can enjoy adult stuff. Mm-hmm. And kids two and over will actually have like structured things that they do. So these sorts of things, we we did a lot of stuff like this in New Jersey. Yeah. And we've only been here two years. So we're gearing it up now and we kind of mm-hmm. hit the ground running trying to have a baby and everything yeah, so yeah. now we're yeah. getting organized to reconnect you're and use settled. the village yeah, you're co-op resettling. yeah mm-hmm. yeah absolutely mm-hmm. so I could see in the networking situation where the kids will kids are kids so right. they, they're just gonna go and do yeah, their thing you exactly. know but I think the challenge might be to have the adults kind of intermingle with themselves or if you know just a whole different 
you know, a, an adult that's just interested in coming, right. but doesn't really have any connections to DFW yet or something. Right. And they're, they're just a little bit hesitant. And that whole, what I call art of conversation might be a little bit challenging for some. But yeah, I'm definitely, a, you yeah, know, I think that's the a right cool idea. It would be a lot mm-hmm. of fun. Yeah. So we were saying that, you know, we do it every year. Mm-hmm. And then eventually in uh, 2021, we'd like to turn it into um, a, a a village vacation. Mm-hmm. And the first right. location that we want to do is Jamaica. Mm-hmm. And so it would be partially educational for people who want to experience what it is like to unschool and homeschool. So you come and bring your kids and I'll set up the educational experience for the kids. I already did it with Jackson, so I would just replicate this really incredible thing. It, I learned a lot, let me just say that. But So we do that, and then the, it would be like a little bit of a couple's trip as well. So go to Jamaica, bond with your boo, and mm-hmm. let the kids do their thing with babysitters there as mm-hmm. well. All in mm-hmm. one villa mm-hmm. so that you're not, you know, worried yeah. about where your kid is, but yeah. also you're not worried about where your kid is. <laughs> right. And you're in Jamaica. <laughs> so, I know. Yeah. I know. Yeah. So, it would be a lot of fun. So, we're, you know, rolling out stuff like that That's that we cool. think brings a community together, brings that village mm-hmm. together every year and then little things throughout the year like sure. the parties that yeah. we already do yeah this mm-hmm. is just like a big annual thing that we're talking about that's cool doing. Mm-hmm. that's cool yeah. wow that'd be fun mm-hmm. i'm gonna get on the mailing list <laughs> um, <laughs> no doubt so i'm gonna kind of jump to something slightly slightly serious in a way yeah. um in california they had on the ballot and it was voted down um it was to, a way to regulate homeschooling mm-hmm and those of you can definitely do your research and look it up and we'll have it in our show notes. But um, have you seen, since you've now been back to Dallas, anything in regards to regulating homeschooling and government being more involved in how homeschoolers need to need to conduct themselves? Right. So there is a homeschool legislation organization. I forget, is it, it has an acronym, um, H. I actually forget what the name is, but you can Google it. Okay. Um, And they actually, if you put in your state, it pulls up all the regulations for homeschooling in your state just to make it where it's easier for you to figure out what it is that you have to do for your state in order to homeschool your child, depending on the age and the grade and all that stuff. I think it's homeschool legislative something, something, something. Okay, yeah, we'll Google it and and definitely put it in the show notes. Yeah, so that just came to mind that that's one of the things. Um, But... uh, I think in this administration, you are going to see a lot of confusing information about transitioning from public school to homeschooling to charter schools and just what that means. So I have not seen any specific legislation in Texas that necessarily talks about changing or intervening with how homeschooling is currently conducted. Mm -hmm. Um, I think that it's more likely that... um, that it'll stay kind of independent right now mm-hmm. because their focus is more on seemingly dismantling public schools. Right. Okay. Right. And unfortunately, <laughs> that seems to be the focus of this administration. So, but now personally, I, I, I do wish that there was some sort of tax incentive for homeschooling. Because we do pay property taxes as homeschoolers, just as if our kids were going to be in the public schools. And they're pretty, you know hefty property taxes. So I would love to see some sort of incentive Mm. in taxes for homeschoolers so that you get some sort of deduction Mm. for that. Mm. Because, I mean, 
how nice would that be? I mean, you're not using the resources. And I'm not saying you shouldn't pay into the public schools to help with that. Kind of like a voucher system in a way. I think California does it like it used to, or maybe they still do, like a voucher system. So you would get like a, every child has a certain amount. Mm Mm-hmm. It's issued to you, to okay. them, what if you will. And that voucher says, okay, I get to take that to a private school. I get to take that to a charter school. I don't know if they can use that voucher mm-hmm. as a homeschooler. I don't know, but I, I could it. see something yeah, like, right. I see what you're saying, where that whatever yeah. it is amount can be yeah. placed in different areas. And even just It becomes text. more competitive, though, amongst all education fronts. Yeah. yeah. But, yes, but it would, I mean, it could just be a tax deduction. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. You know, thinking. after yeah. the fact, something where you can just have a write-off saying, well, we homeschool, so... Mm-hmm. Some sort of five hundred dollars off top something. for supplies, right? For trips, for gas, you yeah. know, things it like that. It becomes a business expense, though. Yeah. So wouldn't you not have to change your entity or create an entity? Don't you think? I think like, once you the way in Texas that you homeschool is if if your child is enrolled in the public school system or any school system, you have to write a letter saying you're going to homeschool. Once you do that, it's in the system that you are homeschooling your kids. Um, I think at that point, that's all you, that's really all the state of Texas requires. Plus, I think there's like a couple of, they want you to teach a, a certain number of, of subjects okay. to focus on those. But other than that, there's no other regulations. So once you're doing that, according to the law, I feel like that's, you sufficient enough. Yeah, it's sufficient oh, okay. enough. So then you don't have to do a business entity or anything like that to home. None of that. I think there should just be, you are obviously homeschooling. Your child is not enrolled in any school. So, you know, you have to pay for books. You have to pay for mm-hmm. an online curriculum if that's what you're doing. You have to pay for supplies. It's like teachers. Right. Yeah. You know? Right. So it's really, it's it's a, it makes it even more expensive to homeschool when you're Paying the property taxes mm-hmm. and all of that, but you, but it's everything is out of pocket. Do you receive a teacher's discount? Do home educators, homeschoolers? So there is a, um, there are some curriculum co-ops where they because we get together in large groups and purchase programs online together, mm-hmm. we get some sort of a group discount. But there isn't. Mm. like an educator sometimes like a half price books I can get a 10% off discount on books but nothing that right. really impacts for how much you have I feel to like how would how that would be hard for on the individual homeschooler to um you know how would they even know that you are a homeschooler it'd be hard to identify that's what, that's I'm what I was to, thinking that's what like, I'm trying to get to be, you know I don't know if we're leaning to, that's why I was saying the whole business entity part right you know creating you create mm-hmm. that thus you would be able to i don't know i don't know if it's a new classification or not but mm-hmm. but then at the that, same time that, I'm, I'm like okay to, well then what she's doing is a school right you know if it's yeah. a business entity it's, then she it becomes a school, it's a yeah. school. It's, yeah it becomes a school so then yeah you've got those other right. uh, concerns with that mm-hmm. well i mean it's no different than when you go to like the museums and whatnot for homeschooling day how do they recognize that you're a homeschooler they don't right you just Go on that day and it's, it is what it is. Mm-hmm. Okay. You just register online and they have a, a limited number of spots for participation. And because of those online groups that you might be connected with, you find out early and register. Mm-hmm. But it's, it's not, I mean, that would be nice to get some sort of <laughs> discounts <laughs> for memberships and things like that because yeah. you are a homeschooler. But again, those, those, they exist in some ways. Like I said, the half price books, 10% off 
coupon that yeah. you get, but it's nothing. There's nothing out there that yeah. really impacts that pocket. Yeah, taxes would yeah. though. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I think like sometimes I'm I'm also just going back really quickly about the homeschool or the myths. For, per se. Mm-hmm. And like you mentioned, mm-hmm. um, families or students being reclusive or, you know, providing a sort of sacrifice and a financial expense to it. I think the other thing I'm trying to think about, and you probably touched on it as far as having an online curriculum, would be what if I'm teaching my child, right? And I've noticed that, my goodness, their learning capabilities are surpassing what I think I can provide to my student, Mm. or my child, excuse me, not my student, to my child. Mm -hmm. What do you do then in those situations? So that's another reason why I did the co-op in a non-traditional co-op way because the way that I do it um, you can actually drop in to classes at the schools that I partner with okay so you if if you're for instance feeling that your child needs to be on a third grade level for math then you can work with the school and get the child assessed to make sure that they will be on par with the classmates in the third grade. And then they can drop in two days a week into these classes to supplement mm-hmm. what you're doing at home okay. to get that boost. And then, of course, you have like mathnasium and yeah, all these yeah. other yeah, things that help you, you know, boost your child. And then you have your books and you can buy because of homeschooling being so personalized, you can decide whatever grade your child is in based on mm-hmm. how they perform. Mm-hmm. So that's another beauty of homeschooling that you don't have to ask somebody to elevate your child to where you can see they perform. Right. You do it yourself. Mm-hmm. So if but if you feel like it's getting beyond you, co-ops are helpful. Um my my specific the village co-op DFW is I'm I'm trying my best to help get um support for parents who fall on all ends of the spectrum as far as needing a little help for a child that may need more focus in a certain area and those whose children are performing uh, at a different level and they just need that extra encouragement, that extra push, mm-hmm. that support. So um, you do find yourself, especially when they get to high school. Yeah. Yes. That's the one. <laughs> but then you can also, because you're homeschooling, Another thing that homeschoolers do is they let their kids go to community college yes, very I know. early. Yeah. I know. And then yeah. their kids, instead of doing high school, they actually get an associate's degree. So by the time they're 18, they're ready. They're already a junior. Mm-hmm. Or by the time they're 17, yes. or any age, yeah, actually. Any, yeah, really. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, so community colleges do work with homeschoolers in that way as well. So there are lots of resources to allow you to support your child on whatever level they are on just tapping into the tapping right in, yeah. support team. Yeah. And mm-hmm. taking that time to taking that time. That's that resource. Cool. That's cool. Awesome. So and then I also also the other kind of myth like you mentioned back into the um the myths that we're talking about. I I, I want the listeners out there to know that homeschooling isn't a certain income level. Oh, you know, no. mm-hmm. I want folks to understand yeah. that, you know, at, at any spectrum, right. you know, you can supplement as we've been kind of talking and discussing right. if you decided to um, for provide traditional schooling or if you wanted to forego traditional schooling as a whole. But, you know, at any income level, you guys, we can can definitely homeschool. But like you said, that goes yeah. back into 
having a good support network and yeah, things like that. That so, village, mm-hmm. the, village the village matters. Yes. Yeah. So having, which is why I named my co-op what I did, because you have to have a village to support you, no matter what income level we're talking about. Mm-hmm. You need a you need a village to support you every day yeah. in some way. So, mm-hmm. um, no, it's definitely not a only a certain income level, but again, there is a sacrifice associated with it because. Your work, you're educating your, you are the teacher mm-hmm. unpaid for the duration of the time that you are not able to focus on working. So if you're homeschooling three, four hours a day, those are hours that you're not working on some, or mm-hmm. you know, some mm-hmm. endeavor outside of the home. So that, you know, that can impact depending on whatever it is that you you, you do. So sure. having sure. that support can allow you to get all of that done at the mm-hmm. same time. Cool. Cool. What are some, um, I guess as we close up, what would you like our listeners to know as an overall regarding homeschooling, co-op, some parting words for them? That's a good question. Mm -hmm. Um, I think never be afraid to ask questions and whether your child is in this, you know, public school, private school, or you're considering homeschooling or you are a homeschooler, knowing that you always have a voice in how your child is educated and being a participant in that education, helping in the classroom, whatever that classroom looks like, helping in the schools, whatever that means for your family, is something that you really, you know, have a right to do and is always usually appreciated. So Mm -hmm. just making sure that if something doesn't seem right, that you're on top of it, that if there's a partnership you can offer to the school to help your child, it also will help other children as well. Mm -hmm. So making sure that that voice that you feel, that gut feeling you have is something that guides you in your parenting, um, guides your child's education Mm -hmm. until they can then vocalize for themselves. Because think of the example that you're setting and letting them know that just because something is being presented to them in one way, if it's not serving them, Mm-hmm. Then they have a then they have the power to contribute something of themselves to change it and improve it if that's a thing, you know, uh, if that's a thing that they see a need for. So I think that that's the biggest takeaway for me that you know whatever you see that needs improvement, whatever you see that's great, mm-hmm. support it, support it, encourage it, be the be the force of change, the force of improvement because. You're not just helping your child. You're helping. You're helping. Yeah, could be generations of kids. You never know. Right. So, um, I think that's it. Just knowing that you have a voice and you have a say so, and it's great for you to to flex it. Yes. Yes. Very true. Well, thank you, Jennifer, for being a guest on the show. Can you tell us your social media handles where we can find you? Um, if we if we have any listeners out there that want to learn some more about homeschooling, can you shut your stuff out? Yes, yes. So um you can see some of my day-to-day activities with the boys on uh, milkbrainblog.com. Mm-hmm. So I call myself Milk <laughs> for obvious reasons <laughs> as mom, right? <laughs> and the blog is my brain. You know, mm-hmm. it's, it's a way for me to just kind of, it's another form of self-care, actually. That's how it started, was just cool. me getting out 
and saying the crazy things in my mind or the funny things in my mind. So um, milkbrainblog.com. Um, and then I have uh, my Instagram, which is at milkbrainblog. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I have Facebook, but it's really kind of like my, yeah. I've had that since I was like, yeah. I don't know, 20. So yeah, it's yeah. full of just all types of stuff. But the Instagram at milkbrainblog and milkbrainblog.com, the actual blog. And then I also um, am the parenting ed- staff editor at blacklove.com, which is going to be released soon. We're rolling out. We we have a lot of parent authors that I've curated and uh, just Cody Oliver. Uh, it, it's the So it's the online... A destination for the Oprah Winfrey Network so show, okay. Black Love. Okay. Yes. Okay. And Cody Oliver and Tommy Oliver um, approached me. Cody and I know each other from college. We're line sisters. She okay. is. We were both sure initiated. Sure. Yes, sure. initiated the Alpha chapter. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Alpha Kappa Alpha Sorority Incorporated. Yes. <laughs> shout it out. Yes, yeah, shout uh. it out. Must. Yes, whip my hair. And Cody. So, so Cody. Um, already has this incredible television show that highlights black love modern black love Mm -hmm. black love over time and we have this website now blacklove.com where i and cody and other parents work on curating what it is to be a black parent Mm -hmm. um so you can go there and see some of my articles some of parents uh, lots of other parents articles as well where we're giving each other a voice and a safe space to talk about what it is to be a black parent and to have black love at the same time because it's possible it's It's not one or the other that's a partnership that's right that's right and black love means self-love as well true so we have a whole there are lots of um topics that we discuss uh Parenting is just one. Relationships, that's just another. Mm-hmm. But we talk about health. Mm-hmm. We talk about nutrition. We talk about, Great. you know, so many things. So right. you can find a little bit more from me on blacklove.com gotcha. as well. Gotcha. Yeah. Thank you. Thank yes. you. And with that, please check out additional resources and links in our show notes, including Jennifer's complete bio and where to find her, other black homeschooling moms to watch, organizations, and more. We ask that you rate and review this and other episodes on iTunes and our website, then continue the conversation on our Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter pages. Until next time, this is Mel. And I'm Tosh. And we thank you for listening to Mahogany Mammalogy. Bye-bye. <laughs>